Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. It is no joke in the business world that there is lots of talk about employees. I have this wonderful um, serial impact founder who, before this became a trend, started a company really focused on employee wellness. And I think he's somebody that you need to know and add to your business network. So he's going to tell us all about his company and about why he is so passionate around the topic of employee wellness. So welcome to the program, Ali Fakiki. And he is, we're speaking to him in Barcelona today. So Ali, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, yes, I am speaking to you from Barcelona, which I was mentioning was cold, but then you did tell me you were in Chicago. So I, I think <laughs> I could eat my words. Yeah, well, so you are the founder of a company called Juno. The website is withjuno.com. We always tell our listeners, if you're near a computer, go take a look so you can follow along with our conversation. Um, but tell us about the the beautiful and wonderful things that Juno tries to do to help employers with their employee relationships. Absolutely. So I'll start with it in a nutshell. We believe that employees should be able to pick and choose and define what their happiness means to them. Um, when I used to, well, before I started, you know, when I worked in companies, I was given kind of a couple of options and they tended to be pretty unpersonalized, pretty tokenistic, not particularly useful. Uh, and I felt like it, we could do so much better, right? Like. You know, you mentioned employees are so important and especially in the last 20 years, I would say, but maybe even especially, especially in the last three or four since COVID, mm -hmm. seen this huge paradigm shift in the workplace where, you know, I remember when I was speaking with someone who was my father's age, he said that he ran a company, he said, for the first time in my career, I had a young guy walk into my office, hand in his resignation, and I said, well, where are you off to next? And he replied, I don't know. And that really sums up the way that our generation, but not just in an age-related way, just in the way that we view work now, we're just not willing to put up with bad practices. And so we help companies just in this little space help their employees define what well-being means to them. And, and to those with children, it might be getting childcare. For those uh, who are stressed out, it might be getting therapy or a massage after a long day. And for others, it might be getting, uh, you know, a, a pass to a gallery or perhaps, uh, you know, a, a method to meet up with friends or a trip covered. So we, we kind of facilitate all of those things for employees and let them kind of define what well-being means to them. Yeah, so benefits are no longer health insurance, dental insurance, eye insurance, and, um, uh, you know, maybe your 401k. I mean, it's well beyond that, because I also think that people 
we realize how much time we spend at work and it's part of our life ecosystem. It's just, it's no longer just a job you check in and, and check out. It's, it's, we all want to and strive to live holistic lives. And that's what I, when I, when I um, found you and, and what you do, I thought, oh, this, this makes, this makes sense. So take it another level and explain to our listeners um, what it looks like for a company that chooses to work with you and what is it that their employees have the opportunity to interact with? Sure. So before Juno, companies would, just like you say, they would opt for a gym membership, corporate gym membership for their employees, or perhaps a health insurance plan, or perhaps a platform that you know, provided some kind of well-being and meditation at lunchtime or whatever, whatever it might be. Now, the thing is, is that in order for you not to waste money, you need 100% engagement. Anything less than that, you've got wasted. You've got, you're paying for employees that aren't necessarily using it, or perhaps you're not paying. Perhaps you're not paying, but the fact is the optionality is limited and therefore those that don't want the gym don't get the benefit. And benefits are meant to benefit people, Right. So what Juno does is it completely changes the model and it says, right, give all of your staff as an employer, let's say you're Acme Inc. and you have 100 employees, you give all of those employees an allowance, which you can set. So let's say everybody gets $40 a month. And then that $40 a month can be redeemed across. And as of speaking, we have around 400 global products and services provided by sustainable eco-friendly independent brands quite often and we have employees in 71 countries worldwide who get their allowance every month which they can save up if they wanted to and they pick and choose from our marketplace and so what's great for the company is they're no longer funneling their budget into one thing or two things and hoping that everyone uses it or they're no longer catering to a tiny subset of their staff uh, of their staff base you know they're giving everyone the opportunity to redeem their benefit so i have to ask how this this works because um you are about 200 companies organizations engaged give or take and 71 countries uh give it give some examples of what i can do as an employee with my allowance yeah absolutely so a large proportion of our products and services are digital uh, and can be delivered so in the case of the us for example perhaps you wanted to get uh, an organic food box delivery service uh i'm not going to name too many names but there are some really popular brands so misfit i will name one misfits market would be a great example in the states uh, so you could order a, a veggie box delivered to your door. Perhaps you wanted to meet with a therapist online. And you, of course, you can do that, you know, uh, time zone permitting and language permitting. But the majority, well, in fact, all of our members speak English. They work for English speaking companies, even though they're in 71 countries. Perhaps they wanted to do a fitness class and they could do that online uh, or Maybe they wanted to learn a new language. So we've got language, we've got uh, Spanish teachers and German teachers and all sorts of different language lessons online as well. So you can do a lot of the stuff digitally, virtually, let's say. And then, of course, we've got lots of physical stuff. So in large metropolitan areas, so take Chicago or New York or L.A. or London, 
you've also got your local gym, your local fitness place, your spa, perhaps a, a local gallery or a cinema. So we do work on growing, growing that out. So we really broaden the definition. And for the things that we don't have, we have a virtual card. So we have a lot of people putting their virtual card on a meditation app or a fitness app, for example, that they can pay their monthly with or they can pay for their existing gym with. And finally, you can expense things. So the expense is fantastic because in my case, I have a, a life coach that I've been seeing for five years. And I, even though we've got great life coaches on Juno, I like mine and I don't really want to leave mine. And so I just take the invoices that she provides me with and I upload them to the platform and I get paid back for, um, for what I've already paid. And I can use that against my budget. So there's a huge gamut um, of, of things that you could use globally. Well, I, I really appreciate that because it it is, you can never underestimate what is going on in an employee's mind in terms of what makes them feel loyalty or want to stay or or what helps them get over a bad day. I, I always say this is that, you know, we all don't have perfect, perfect jobs, but it's, it's interesting things that, that dr- drives people or incentivize them to to stay put. And, but I like the fact that this has this healthy well-being component to it. And as you said, also sources, um, responsible and, and sustainable companies that if that's what employees want to choose, they can choose that. So I want to take a roll back, Ellie, because what we do on this show is, is speaking with entrepreneurs and, and, and founders that have now built their business, uh, to understand a little bit about their, their background, and what was the trigger for them that said, this is going to be a viable business model. And this is this is where I want to put my time and energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I like telling the story. I'll try and keep it brief. So you're speaking to a founder that has never written a business plan uh, that kind of shudders at the thought. I am not a business school graduate, nor would I want to be not that that's anything wrong with it. I just not my personality type. I'm definitely someone who's had a few lives and a few careers leading up to Juno. I, I was a, I studied, I majored, as you say in the US, I majored in politics uh, at university. Prior to that kind of was very interested in the creative arts and followed my passion in photography and filmmaking and left university having built up a really amazing kind of portfolio, let's say, of work where I would do lots of documentaries and photography. And I wanted to be a filmmaker, a director. When I left university, though, in my dream to be a director, by the way, I think there are a lot of commonalities between being a founder, a CEO, and a director. Uh, You want to be be the person in charge, which probably says a lot about my personality. Uh, But I left university and, of course wanting to to follow any kind of creative endeavor is not easy and definitely not something that you can monetize very easily. And so I struggled and fell out of love with it and thought, well, I'd rather just kind of build a career and marketing for startups was the natural progression for me. So I, I sort of interned at a startup as a marketer and I really enjoyed that. And I loved the amount of freedom that you have. And, you know, in a startup, you have this unique environment of, problem solving and uh, fire, you know, putting out fires, but also being creative and thinking outside the box because you've got to differentiate. And so I had a few kind of roles in, in, in startups and fast scaling businesses. 
and lots of other friends, peers that had worked were working in, you know, big five accountancy firms, in law firms, in other startups, in advertising agencies, and we all had the same thing to say when we had our coffees or we had our beers or we went for lunch, which was, God, it's it's really stressful and they try and throw these things at us and they're just, they're just not very interesting. It's kind of embarrassing almost, you know, they, they, they're asking us to go to 8am yoga sessions on a Monday morning. And it's like, you know, at 21 years old, you're kind of still hung over from Saturday. So the point, <laughs> these things just weren't, weren't working. And, and, and that's when I started thinking more about, you know, having worked in these organizations and having seen it firsthand and also having that kind of drive within myself to say, well, I kind of want to be in charge, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse in many ways, you know, having that kind of drive within me to say, well, one day I'm going to be in charge of something, but never having that calling. But then the moment struck was, you know, having heard from all of my friends and having felt it myself, but really feeling it hard was when I was, you know, working for an organization, a fantastic one, but feeling extremely stressed. Personal life wasn't exactly going fantastically well, you know, having a personal bereavement, but also the stress of the org- of, of, of the work in the company that's when the light bulb moment hit four years ago, almost to the day, actually, uh, four years ago uh, was when I thought, you know what, you know, I would love it if I could get help with my life outside of work. And if my work could subsidize or pay for that, you know, if they could sort out my house getting cleaned so that I could come home and not have to worry about that, I'm going to love my company. You know, I'm going to love that. I'm going to love the fact that I've saved time and money, of course. And that kind of evolved into Juno. And then the story from then was, I'm a very impulsive person. And I thought, okay, well, this is it. I love this as a, as a concept. It's so mission driven. It is really, really something that is close to my heart. Uh, I've been personally affected by it. And I can clearly see, and you mentioned business model, I can clearly see this being popular amongst the new generation of, of organizations. And I can also see that there's a marketplace opportunity here to, to connect great brands with, with employers. The rest, even today, hasn't necessarily been figured out. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I am still, you know, four years in with 200 odd clients and, and thousands of members that are very happy. You know, we... We did things that just felt right in the moment. I didn't sit down. I, I put myself in debt and I worked in a restaurant for a year, even after we raised our first round of funding. And I hustled my way on my own to building something. So, you know, in truth, it was definitely something that I didn't sit down at a kitchen table and build a plan for. I just kind of felt my way through. I think there's a lot of wisdom and, and value in that. And I'm sure that there's a lot more layers to it than what you're sharing. Well, I am very privileged in many ways, but in the one that I'm going to mention, which is that in my life at the time, I was capable of taking, and I hope in the future I'm able to do the same in the future if I need to, but I was a 27-year-old single man with no dependencies, with no savings, so you know it was all good. I had no savings. I never had savings in my life, um, but I was able to just throw my hat in the ring and say right let's let's go for it and I think you know it's it's very easy for me to say that because I don't have a mortgage or children or dependents or you know I'm out of an age where I could use my sheer 
you know, in the, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, the fact that I'm not relied upon. I, I, I don't know what the, what the word for that is, but I, I wasn't relied upon. And so I could, I could do that. And I think perhaps I'll find out I can't do it in three years, but it's very, very important for those that have the opportunity to, to think about it from that perspective, which is that, and I actually just had this call with someone prior to meeting you, which was, you know, when you're starting a business, you're not necessarily starting a business. You're going on a mission to find a few things out. Uh-huh. Right. And even when you raise money, you know, say you've got a few clients or perhaps you've got a great reputation and you're able to raise money, if that's what your business requires, you know, not every business requires raising money. But if it was on that scale, uh, they, you know, your investors give you money to find out, you know, to give you time to find out more things. And a lot of that will be trial and error. So, you know, even if you were to fail, you're, you know, you're, what you've learned has been indispensable. You know, I know so many things about so many little things. I know how to, you know, I know what the employment laws are in like seven different European countries. You know, I know, I know how to set up, you know, I know how to interview lawyers. I know well, attorneys in your case. I, I know how to set up bank accounts or establish subsidiaries, all these little things that will be useful in the future, perhaps. And obviously, not to mention management skills and people skills and interviewing skills um so yeah you, you're, you're really finding things out i wouldn't even think about it as starting a business so to speak i know i've talked to other entrepreneurs that that say yeah you know who your real friends are when they're willing to buy you a cup of coffee and not judge you for it you know that, that they understand um what this compelling vision is that you're you're going after well let's let's talk about um financial so you said you worked and and poured everything into it. But did you also raise raise um, money? And do you have investors? Yes, I do. Yeah, we've raised six million dollars thus far in four years. Um, we so I bootstrapped the business. It's very important, also, just on the uh, supposedly kind of following on from the previous topic, which is that for anyone who's thinking about starting a business, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice is can you do it for free? In other words, can you build a version of your business with no money? Now, some entrepreneurs will suggest that you pour your life savings into a project. I, I don't think I would be that way inclined, but I started and I built the business up until our first funding round of a million dollars. I raised a million dollars about 11 months into the journey after having acquired a few customers. But up until then, I'd on the business spent $1,200 in total on everything. So it cost me $1,200 in 11 months, so $100 a month if you evened it out. You know, I didn't pour, I, I got into $15,000 of personal debt so that I could pay for my rent and life. But, you know, I, I didn't, um, I didn't try and raise money before anything. So I raised 600,000 pounds, so a million dollars, well, let's say $800,000 in year one, and then another $500,000 in year two from the same investor. And then we had an amazing year last year. And we raised, uh, we closed the round of funding at the beginning of this year of uh, $4 million. Um, And then we raised over the course of the last sort of six months, another million dollars from angel investors. So we we are a a venture funded business. 
Well, and so tell us about what your what your team looks looks like because I I have the impression that part of your strategy is to stay um, to stay lean as you as you scale this. So tell us about your your team or or how you're getting the work done. Yes, yeah, so I have to credit one of our uh, clients. <laughs> Founder, who's also an investor, is uh, CEO of Oyster HR, Tony Jamus, a big inspiration of mine, uh, and a mentor and coach. And I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago, and he he said something that really kind of resonated with me, which was, in this current climate, of, let's you know, you know, call it what it is, which is a recession or not a great time for for, for, for businesses. He said, you know, in using an analogy of Formula One, um, you know, on a dry track, if you're fifth. In the race, the chances of you getting into pole position are zero, pretty much, in a draw on a dry track. But on a wet track, perhaps if you're fifth in in the race, uh, you might just want to just take the corners a bit wide and wait to see who in front of you spins out. And I use that analogy in 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 what we do, which is that I really am a proponent of keeping things as lean as possible for as long as possible. Mm -hmm very fortunate that we haven't raised vast sums of money which by the way were offered to us at, at the end of last year um after a fantastic year of growth and you know it, i'm not going to sit here and say i had the foresight not to, to accept it it just didn't happen but those organizations that have raised lots of money end up hiring lots of people and then when things don't go quite well unfortunately those people end up being on the raw end so we have 20 employees and we're very much of the of the mindset of let's build a special ops team rather than an army. And I think especially now, um, fundamentals are really important. A path to profitability is really important. And so that's our goal, right? And it always kind of been in our DNA, which is try and keep things lean. It also means that you're hiring for very creative problem solving people. And that's served us really, really well so far. Well, I love that phrase of, of a special ops team versus an army. So let's talk about where you're going next. What is the vision for, for Juno? If we were to talk to you again in two to three years, what would the story be? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we want to win on the brand front. And that's been, I look, I'm, I'm a hammer and everything's a nail, which is to say that I'm a marketer. I'm really obsessed with brand. And so I believe very strongly that our you know, our our success kind of lives and dies on the way that we build our brand. You know, there are products and services that have cropped up that have been very similar to ours. There have been ones that have raised far more money than us. But ultimately, our goal for the next two to three years is to build a really strong thought leadership, a really strong kind of, we want to be seen as the category creator so that members, so clients and, and, and customers and, and employees really prefer Juno and see Juno as the synonymous brand with all the good things that come with well-being at work. So the brand, the brand kind of challenge for us is, is really one that we're, we're going to go full force with. And we're also going to potentially start a new line of products. There might be, you know, things in the co-working space, you know, the co-working area that we could look into because we really understand our customers, we really understand what members care about. There are perhaps products and services that we could also do ourselves. But we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, obviously, raising more money is something that is on our horizon. We, we need funding to continue the vision of the business. 
and so that will just allow us to to continue growing and, and serving our customers uh, but really for me our focus is on building a strong brand a brand that people can trust and feel like wow this this company really you know is is mission driven and is here to to help clients and employees alike i love that i think that is um wonderful i mean to be a category creator is a lot of who i speak to on this this program and part of the reason why i i really wanted to speak with you and share your story because I, I think what you do is unique. And this is where I go back to, I always tell our listeners, you know, do take a moment to to take a look and understand what our guests do. Hey, if people want to learn more or connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? Absolutely. So if you want to connect with me directly, you can look me up on LinkedIn. So my name is spelt A-L-L-Y. And then my surname is F-E-K-A-I-K-I. I'm sure if you look in the description of this podcast, you can find my name. You can look me up on LinkedIn. And then our website is withjuno.com. So W-I-T-H-J-U-N-O.com. And if you say you came from the Disruptive CEO Nation podcast, I'm sure we can, if you would like to learn more about Juno and you want to sign up, we will be happy to offer you a nice discount. So reach out to us, mention that you came from the podcast and we'd love to hear from you. Hey, well, thank you so much. And if, Ali shared something that you think somebody else needs to hear or know, or you need to introduce it to your business or your employer. Um, again, reach out and we will get you connected. So as I always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disrupted. Ali, thank you so much for being a guest. And I will think warmly about Barcelona all day today. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>